Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a, another instalment of, of Footy from Across the Pond. My name is Dave Matthews, and I am joined by Nick Madden. Hey, guys. Um, is this another seventh <coughs> episode today? Number seven, yeah. Oh, yes. To our We're on a roll. Instalment. Uh, <laughs> as always, we have an announcement. Uh, we're now going to sort of uh, be quite honest. Uh, JD's not here. Uh, the reason being is he has actually gone home to England. Uh, he actually went home over a week ago, but we couldn't announce that he had gone home because he was uh, making a surprise appearance at a friend's birthday party this weekend because they didn't know he was actually coming home. So we had to come up with some fabricated story and we decided to make it sound more glamorous than it was. So <laughs> JD is actually at home. So hello, JD. Hello, JD. Hope you're listening to us. We are missing you, uh, but I'm sure you're enjoying England. Uh, like, a, like the desert misses the rain. Exactly. So, JD's not here. Uh, in regards to the future, we we may, well, we should. We will have new people hopefully joining us from next week. But, again, we've got a few discussions to have with people in regards to if they're good enough to join us. So. Exactly. Not just if they're good enough, if um, they actually support the right team. <laughs> exactly. Um, we're going to start off by talking about an interesting topic that I saw on the internet this morning regarding player of the decade. Now, we're approaching, obviously, the end of this uh, the decade. Um, next year we've got one more year left uh, Nick which players would you say stand out straight away when this question is asked you from the last 10 years or since the start of this century because a player came to my mind straight away but I want to hear your thoughts first and if you steal him off me I have to think of someone else but what players come to your mind well you mentioned it before we said so I definitely won't steal your player but I want um, I know it's it's hard because it's like from 2000 to 2010 yeah so the players like who have been great in this generation, like in my generation, like like you think of like Zinedine Zidane, Luis Figo. Figo, that's a yeah. good, good chance. You think of like fantastic players Figo like though. that that have been like around the game. You know, obviously you've got um, you know, a couple of players you're gonna mention as well that have also been within that time span. You look at Beckham as well. Like he may not be the like the best player, but for overall. Like footballing cost contribution, yeah. he's definitely up there. When we think about player of the decade, do you think we go on their achievements as a player in terms of what they've won, or should we go about on more what they have actually done as a player themselves? Because I looked at the list of people were putting up, and they were talking about the achievements of players like Claude Makélélé, who's won numerous Champions League titles with Real Madrid. He's won obviously Premiership titles with Chelsea. Uh, he won the World Cup in '98, but also won obviously the European Championship with France in 2000. Should we be looking at their achievements as a player in terms of what they've won, or should we be just looking at their playing ability? Um, I think a bit of both. I think a mix. Because you don't want um, just someone who's won everything. Because mm. you could argue that Nicky Butt won everything with Manchester United. But exactly. is, he, is he the century's best player? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so what we're going to do, actually, we're going to ask all the listeners to either email or Facebook in their suggestions. Um, and we're going to create a little shortlist. Now, I'm going to put a player on there who was my pick, and that was Thierry Henry. Um, the reason for Thierry Henry is firstly he did achieve nearly everything over the past 10 years obviously if we're going into the uh, late 90s he obviously won the World Cup but since the turn of this century he's won a Champions League title with Barcelona he's won two or three Premiership titles with Arsenal he's won obviously a La Liga title with Barca so he's basically won everything going and I also think he won European Football of the Year uh, maybe in 2003 or 2004. He definitely won European Football yeah. of the Year. I'm not sure if he won the World Football of the Year, but he's definitely a player that's a got a lot of accolades. And then we talk yeah. about him as a player. Is there a player over the last nine years that's been as consistent as Thierry Henry? Um, well, except for his um, first season at Barca, no. Like, he's been unbelievable. Mm. Especially, like, set the Premiership alight. He was easily one of the best players in the Premiership. But then you look, but he was a striker, so he's known for scoring goals. He's going to get all the accolades. But you talk about someone who's won a lot of stuff and is a great player, Buffon. Oh, Buffon. That's a Buffon, he's won the uh, World he's Cup. Won the World he's, Cup. You know, did, um, he's won basically everything you know, that they could say. And um, also Puyol as well, won in the US. I also fought Puyol. And um, yeah, with Barcelona, he's won the Champions League yeah. as well. I think, and obviously. I think any any player accolades. who's Spanish will fancy their chances of winning this. I don't know if it's an acclaimed title to win, but it's pretty good because obviously we've still got a World Cup going in and many people think that Spain will end up winning in South Africa. It's definitely, it's got to be a player who's played at the highest level for the, the longest amount of time, probably throughout the decade. And if you talk, like even Ico Casillas. 
we've we've actually ignored Kaka. <laughs> he's won the World Cup Crazy. in 2002. He's won the Champions League title with AC Milan. He's definitely won and the Serie A. You said Ronaldinho as well. Ronaldinho as well. So there's a lot of players. Um, so what there's we're going to ask, guys? Too many. Well, like, basically, they would have all at least played for Real Madrid in their time. If we're talking about, if we're talking about an English player of the decade, uh, if we're going, if we're narrowing it down a bit, you obviously mentioned Beckham. Yeah. Um, who? What other English players would you say could fit into that, or players that could enter the shortlist? If they did put a shortlist of world players, how many English players? Steven Gerrard. Yeah, Gerrard came to my mind. Yeah, because of obviously winning the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they haven't won anything internationally. No. But you know they've played at the highest level. What about Rio Ferdinand? Could be. Yeah, mm. that could be a great show. He's won everything with Manchester United. He has. Especially like you know, and um, you know, because he won, he was part of the the um, European and. Um, title double so it could be good anyway. I don't think um, I don't think it'll be Rooney like he didn't really yeah, come on scene until 2003 so exactly, he missed the first so. three years that's a big that's a lot of that's three but, years uh, out of ten. Frank Lampard Frank will be up there as well for goal scoring especially yeah so, um, especially being a midfield but you said um, who did you say from Barcelona as well Xavi Xavi's yeah. won I think and right now he looks a good contender to maybe even win the um, world player of the year after his um we haven't even mentioned any Dutch players. Mm. The Dutch have always got great players. Yeah, the last 10 years, there haven't been any real standout players. Like, Bergkamp obviously retired since Bergkamp, but obviously we've had great players like Van Persie, Van Schneider, Van Nistelrooy. Yeah, but he's had a few quiet years as well. He hasn't exactly yeah. set the world like at Madrid. But, but he was his best at Manchester United in the early, like, mm. early part of the decade. It's an interesting. Yeah. It's a great conversation. We could probably talk about the player of the decade for the whole show. But <laughs> if you have got any players you want to mention, maybe players we haven't talked about, um, email in. Obviously, you know the email is footypod at gmail dot com, and also you could obviously write it on our Facebook wall, and I'll mention that. Anyway, one of the big talking points from this week that um, I think made my eyes open up a bit was the Peterborough's decision to part company with Dan Ferguson. Yeah. Um, obviously. He won two back-to-back promotions with Peterborough. Uh, he's had a struggling start this year, but he signed a new four-year contract in the summer. His record stands at 40 defeats in 145 games. And although they're at the bottom of the championship, they're only five points from safety. Is this another... It Was this a valid reason to get rid of a manager who's, in the last few years, been one of the, probably one of the best managers Peterborough ever had? Like, what are they doing? <laughs> Well, um, Barry Fry came out and, and said to the press that um, he was being tapped up. He was being tapped up for a new job, so I'm guessing he was being tapped up by either another championship club or even a Premier League club. And we're going to talk about that. Club and that in might a even that might even be Hull. That's what's being talked about. Apparently. Oh really? Oh, Hull. Yeah. that's why I'm. Yeah, yeah that's that why could have been Hull. Um, but uh, you know, if a, your manager is getting tapped up, like, so what? Because. He obviously is a great manager if mm. another club wants him. Mm. And if he's going to get tapped up and he's going to leave your club, you're entitled to compensation. By you sacking him, surely they have to pay the remainder of that contract that they've just gave him. Is this another case of just clubs not giving managers enough time? You know, they do a fantastic job for numerous amount of years. I mean, I feel bad at Hull City. Mm. They then have a bit of a bad start to the season and then you get rid of him. Uh, this isn't the way you should be treating your manager. And are we going to start going down the route that most clubs in Europe seem to go down across oh, other parts of the country? Where what, like you have Atletico? a bad <laughs> Atletico Madrid, Real yeah. Madrid. Like, look at the bigger clubs. They seem to get rid of their managers too quickly. But it's proven that in England, the managers, the teams that stick with their managers for a longer period, so Alex Ferguson, Arsene Wenger, David Moyes, David Moyes, they're the teams that get the most success. And even Benitez to a certain extent as well. Benitez. He's still been there for a long time. Um, so yeah, um, we're not into like slamming clubs but Peterborough that's a bad sport I wasn't impressed with that decision and I kind of hope you go down now got well, to be honest I've, I know I think I'm, I don't understand the decision because he's easily one of the most brightest managers that you know England are creating and he's you know he's Sir Alex Ferguson's son so he must be must have some mm. you know some knowledge that we don't because he's got like Sir Alex Ferguson's won everything <laughs> I'm sure he's going to pass down his wisdom to his son as well. So yep. I think he's going to be a great manager and maybe I bet you he's got a job lined up because I can't see why they would sack him when he's done such a fantastic job at Peterborough. And, and if they, he can't they have get... a great they have a good um like um crop of players that have come from like the conference and come from league 2 mm-hmm. and now they're all playing in the championship. So even if they do get relegated like they st- they were still up there. 
I like. I think when Ferguson originally came in, I think it was in January in two thousand seven. I think if you had told him two back to back promotions, I think they probably would have only been aiming for one in them two years. They managed yeah. to get two, so I don't think Peterborough are in a bad situation right now. And it was a pretty extreme decision. Uh, talking about one Ferguson, let's move to the other. Uh, <laughs> obviously, at the weekend, Man United and Chelsea went at it in the I think the first real title battle of the year. Um, Chelsea managed to win one nil. Did they deserve this win? Um, Chelsea, um, I don't know. Looking at the game, I thought it was deserved a draw. Like both, I think both teams were equal. Um, I know um, Manchester United. I thought defended really well. Johnny Evans and Wes Brown were yeah. two at the back, For, especially Very because impressive. you know they're both second second choice mm-hmm. central defenders, and now I thought that has shown to be a good partnership, especially with um the CSK Moscow game where they didn't play so well and conceded three goals. But, you know, Chelsea didn't really set it alight. Manchester United didn't really set it alight. It was quite a boring game, really. The player that came out with a lot of credit for the game was actually the player who um, gave away the free kick that led to the goal was your favourite man, Darren Fletcher. Um, was it, This was a bad decision. It wasn't a free kick. He won that ball. And obviously that led to the free kick that went into the box that John Terry got his head onto. Mm. And Drogba was also offside when the free kick was taken, so... A pretty um, well, Drogba didn't touch the ball, he was in the line of the goalkeeper's vision, but he didn't touch the so ball. So that means it he shouldn't, a, him it should w- be offside if he's affecting yeah. the goalkeeper's sight of the ball coming in. That means the goal shouldn't stand. But like, what can you do? He didn't touch it, but I don't. I at first thought I thought that Darren Fletcher's tackle was a foul at first thought, mm. and so that I can see why the referee gave it because um, he was he impeded um, Ashley Young. Cole. Well, sorry, actually, Cole, but he used his body, mm-hmm. like, but with the back heel, like, I don't know. It looks like a free kick to me. So, and Manchester United can't complain about one decision. Like, there's so many decisions the referees make in a game that mm-hmm. just because well, they made that. So, Alex Ferguson today was given a two-game touchline ban. I don't know which this what this that was for. Was Alan Wiley. Which game was that? And um, that was, I think that was um, the two-two he, think... when um, he um, told Alan Wiley he was fat and. And I think that was a Sunderland game, remember? He's moaned at a referee since every game, I think, the last four games. So the Liverpool game, the Sunderland game, this game, he's had something to say about the referee. So mm. it was about Wait. time that Sir Alex got a bit of a punishment, a ticking off. Well, I think he, he's covering up um, Manchester United's performances with having to go at the referee, and it's you know it's not right because I thought Manchester United actually played really well. Wayne like, Rooney played very well. He led the line superbly and nearly scored a wonder goal, but um, Peter Cech made a superb save. I, uh, I don't... I just... It annoys me when you're like watching the top flight games and like it, it's all this build up and and then it's just like it's not as good as what it's like on the box mm. sort of thing. Well, we're going to talk about a top flight game from <laughs> across another pond. Of, yeah, another <laughs> pond uh, in Europe later on. But um, we actually had an email about this game from Dylan. He said United the game was uh, the teams were pretty evenly matched and the goal shouldn't have obviously counted. So we know which. Uh, team he was back in he said United are traditionally poor starters at the beginning of the season um, but they normally come good I want to say they started poorly this year they seem to be pretty average from the start of the season till now we're now in the middle of November or getting near the middle of November well, it's always been Christmas isn't it for Manchester United they normally hit Can you like see... they, they need to change gears that's all they always talk about do you Manchester think United are going to hit some form where they go on a big winning streak because right now I, I, I just can't see where that's going to come from I, I'm just not seeing any sign that this team's capable of putting on a big run, which is kind of strange because normally with United, I think it's it's going to be coming, but it just hasn't really got going for them. Or f- since the start of the season, they've had obviously good displays, but they've had some pretty poor ones as well. And uh, it's obvious they've got injuries with Fernand Vidic. Rooney seems to be leading the line, and he doesn't seem to be having much support from the likes of Berbatov or Owen. And mm. I think Berbatov played well this season. He played much better than last season, where he was an outcast. But I think that Manchester United you know, will go on that run. They will step it up. I think, um, you know, now they've got a break from the Champions League. I think now they can really push on the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You know, now the group group stages are basically over and done with because they've basically qualified, so they can rest players. And I think now it's going to be that telling time. And also, I heard whispers this week that um, a deal has actually been finalised for Villa to come to Manchester United and transfer. January transfer window. There's really? ru- yeah, there's big rumours that that deal's already done. So if that's done, then Ooh. you know that that will be interesting. What was that doing to Michael Owen? 
You won't be an impact sub anymore. Um, <laughs> other action from the Premiership. There's a few games we wanted to talk about in detail. The other game was a bit of a thriller at Eastlands where Man City were 2-0 down to Burnley. They managed so we go to... from Manchester to Manchester. Yeah, we go to... it's, it's a good link. Uh, <laughs> they got back to lead 3-2 and then Burnley equalised through Kevin McDonald laid on and Burnley got their first draw or first point away from home this season. Let's look at Man City for a bit because I don't think really we've paid much of too much attention to their actual results. We always talk about their super players they've got, but I think that's five draws in a row now. six. There's six consecutive draw. Is Mark Hughes underachieving there, or was this expected about the team not gelling yet, a lot of new players? Do you think they're hitting that point where it's just taking a bit too much, too much time to gel, whereas we thought maybe at the start of the season they were looking pretty consistently brilliant, but they've obviously hit a bit of a bad patch through October and into this month. Well, I'm... Um, man, um... It's interesting for Hughes because he changed his system from a 4-3-3 um, earlier part in the season when everything was clicking, they were winning games, like one against Arsenal with that formation. He changed it to a 4-4-2. That happened after Robinho got injured, if you notice. Robinho got injured and then he didn't really have anyone who could he was comfortable filling in that spot, so he started playing Petrov on the left. But now he's playing Bellamy out. I, it's weird what he's doing. He, he's def- The but, team was looking good. I remember that midfield three of Barry... Ireland and Wright Phillips, and he had the three up top, but yeah. he's gone to a more familiar four four two. But um, I, d- I don't know. I don't think the the four four two doesn't work with um, with what City have available. I think you've got to play the formation that you have with players. And do you, you saw Diong and Barry play in the last draw, and everybody was like, they're too defensive. They're too defensive. Why don't we stick in Ireland? So they stick in Ireland. And then it's Barry and Ireland, and then there's then then they ship goals because there's no defensive cover. Mm. So if they played a midfield three where they have Ireland with a creator, they have Barry and they have De Jong who's holding, you know that because Barry can hold and create. So you got best of both worlds with him, and then you can play with your say either Sean Wright Phillips on the right and um, Bellamy on the left, and um, Adeboyle through the middle, or you can have Santa Cruz through the middle. You can have. Um, Robinho on the left and maybe even Petrov on the left or right. You know, there's so many options with that squad. So I think two months ago we all thought Man City were shooing to get in that top four. Mm. They're not really looking like that right now. They're probably. I mean, is Europa League the best they can hope for this season? Um, no, I still think they'll have a they'll have this late push. I think once they gel, they'll probably spend about four hundred million in the transfer window. They'll probably go and buy uh, whoever's going. Basically, well, they'll try, but Hughes has got so much pressure on him because he didn't do great last season. Even though, um, like after spending all that money, everybody's expectations have really soared this season. I do think that they're, you know, at least they're getting their draws. Mm. At least they're not losing, but so at least they're still picking up points. But if you're saying, if you're saying on the other hand, like if it was Burnley getting all their draws, you'd be delighted because like at least they're picking up points. So, you know. Man City haven't been at the top of the table yet and they still need a lot of improvement to get there. Talking about managers struggling, have we had a managerial sacking in the Premiership yet this season? Um, I don't think we have. No, I don't think we have. Uh, um, obviously, there's one on the brink, apparently. Uh, instead of saving ladies from jumping off bridges, <laughs> Phil Brown decided to actually uh, get a win. Uh, Hull came back from one down to beat Stoke 2-1. This is a huge win because there are many people predicting that if they didn't win this game, Phil Brown was going to be walking, uh, probably jumping off a bridge. <laughs> but they got a win. Um, do we think this will keep him in for a longer period or is this still just a stopgap between a decision that probably will lead to him getting sacked in the coming weeks? Well, it's, um, Pearson came back and he was just like, yeah, like I'm, I've got faith in Phil Brown. Like He can definitely have the, la- didn't next, he come he out have and the say, next game. Didn't he come and say, he'll be in for Sunday. He'll yeah. definitely be here for Sunday. Yeah, like, Why is that? Well, I ain't got enough time to make enough phone calls to get someone in. <laughs> but, but yeah, basically he was just like, You've, we've got enough faith in you for one game. And he's won that one game, so fair play to Phil Brown. Like, at least, like I don't want any managers to get sacked. Like, but, because it's such a, a, like, I can't imagine what pressure he must be under. But he needs to do something. And there needs to be some rejig. Like, it's good that Adam Pearson's came back because Duffin was his best bum chum. So he's probably telling him how great he was all the time. Mm-hmm. And now Pearson's probably telling him, you've got to buck your ideas up, otherwise you're the first out this door. Phil Brown isn't the most popular manager going around these days. We talk about managers you've got 
confidence and arrogance. Now, people will argue that Mourinho falls into the arrogance uh, <laughs> section. You then talk about managers like Arsene Wenger, confidence. Benitez, it's more confidence, although he's a slight bit of arrogance. It, yeah, it's Phil arrogance Brown decisions. stinks of the stuff. He's the most arrogant manager going around, in my opinion, and I know many people feel the same way. Um, will anyone feel sorry for Phil Brown if he just if he does get the boot? Because we talked about Dan Ferguson achieving what he has at Peterborough, but Phil Brown seems to have got has got such a large ego from everything he's done at Hull. It's kind of a bit different compared to like the Peterborough situation where we're actually against the manager getting sacked. I know. I think um, he's. I think half of the Hull fans are gonna like be sad if he does get sacked because he's got them up there, he's got them to where they want to be. If you told them that that's when they're going to be when he got in charge, they would bit anybody's hand off. He's in charge, yeah. But now, um, but half of them will want to see him go because they're not happy with the treatment with some of the players. You know, sort of McShane throw like a Paddy Ashdown and throw his jacket when he got substituted. You can tell that there's a lot of grumblers within the squad, but mm-hmm. at least Jimmy Bullard's back. He's got the... He's got the effect. He'll and lighten fan- up any situation. That's fantastic it, to see because he's had a horrible last 18 months with injuries. Yeah. And a lot of people would say that if them injuries hadn't come around, Jimmy Bullard probably would have been... He would have been in the England squad. He would England squad yeah. and he probably would have been going to the World Cup. We're not saying it's too late for Jimmy Bullard, but I don't think he's going to make a late well, you, season push. Well, you never know. If Hull stay up and he keeps putting in man, manage, man of the match appearances, like you saw, you've seen the England squad. Genus and Huddleston are in there. Lampard pulled out today. Oh. Just because he didn't fancy the tra- probably the travel, whether the whether that friendly's worthwhile, I don't know. It's obviously a money scheme. Yeah. But uh, Huddleston and Genus, are they better than Jimmy Bullard? Tom no. Huddleston's not. I guarantee that. Um, <laughs> See, other, I don't think other news for the Premiership uh, notes. I got a few notes, and we'll we'll go through these quite quick. Blackburn got a win against Portsmouth, which was well, it was at Ebor Park, so maybe not so much of a surprise. But with Blackburn's pretty poor recent form I think Pompey would have been disappointed going there and not yeah. getting anything from that even game even David James was so disappointed he mm. whacked the post like actually kicked, kicked, <laughs> kicked the post but it's um, interesting to see that once um, Benny McCarthy and Jason Roberts came on that's where the win inspired them and that's the that's the two strikers that should be paired together for the whole of the season mm-hmm. why Frankie DeSanto is getting ahead of them two I do not know Arsenal continue their Flying recent form, they beat Classy Wolves 4-1. <laughs> you love you love, uh, you love Wolves. <laughs> we're not going to talk about them this week, but Liverpool didn't win again. They nearly lost home to Birmingham. We uh, watched that game. If it weren't for a half-fit Steven Gerrard limping around the field, saving them. Uh, we did watch that game. That was a brilliant goal by Cameron Jerome. That there was brilliant. That's a rocket straight past uh, and Jose Talking Barrena. about good goals in the Arsenal game as well. That M. Fabregas goal, that touch off by Van Persie, that was sweet. Yeah. Aston Villa, uh, they beat Bolton 5 1 at Villa Park. Uh, that was a route. It was a route. <laughs> John Carew and um, Ambong Lahore up front for them. So that's what, like, once Carew's come back in the side, that's when they've started picking up the results. Still no spot for Emil Heskey. Yeah, that's because Carew's so good. And is Emil, Hesky, Emil Heskey's in the next squad, isn't he, for England? Um, no, he isn't. Is That's not a surprise. You know no, why? Um, him and Colin Cole not in. Do you know how many shots on target Emil Heskey's had this season? How many? He hasn't had one. That's the fact. That I, I heard that this week. Well, he apparently has another shot on target all season. Well, Darren Bent's back in. Which Darren is Bent's good. back. Uh, he actually missed a penalty though, as Spurs got back to winning ways against Sunderland. Robbie mm. Keane was playing left and again left the midfield, but he ended up scoring. So Wigan and Fulham had a tight one. They drew one-one, uh, and West Ham. Dominated Everton, but they couldn't stop a two-one defeat. Everton got back to winning ways after was it? Yeah, seven, seven, seven games, games without a win. Without they've, had, they've had a bit of a bad month. Their European form, I think, has hit them a bit hard. Yeah, then um, two ties with Benfica, where they got totally outclassed, mm. and then everybody injured. Like at least them, David Moyes isn't blaming it on the injuries, which is good. But it's definitely a crucial factor, and Jandielka's out as well. So that's um, like he's out for even longer now. So he's had another he's had a setback. So he probably won't be going to the World Cup. And you would think that he's one of the best one of the best central okay. defenders that could get in there. So before we go on to uh, the next topic, I just want to stop you there. Jaggy Elk is injured. Rio Ferdinand's out of form and injured. Jonathan Woodgate can't be trusted. Ledley King, well, seems to get injured a lot. We're getting a bit short centre backs going into 
I know they talked about this on another show I was into the other day. We are very short on options at the back right now. Uh, if you think about the injuries that the players are getting and the form they're in, who who else is left? Like John Terry, Matthew Upson, yeah. Wes Brown, Gary Cahill. That's getting probably a bit too desperate. Like Gary Cahill is a good defender, but let's be realistic here. We're going into a World Cup. This isn't the time to start flooding in. Uh, players who haven't yet actually even played well, at least pretty high-level so European football. At least he's in the squad. Like, But no, I agree with you. Ben, players who are in England squad should be playing Champions League. But there's only four spots. They well, should at least be playing in the Europa League. Because Jolly and Lescott's uh, reputational rating has gone down the pan over the past two months because he has been very poor at Man City. And a lot of people are now saying we shouldn't even take him to the World Cup. Uh, we should be looking at uh, other options. I don't know if that's going to play any factor in but no, Fabio's decision. It's interesting though, but um, we still have a, the rest of the season to go. So as these players, some of these players, will pick up form. Mm. Obviously, Woodgate and Keane—they're always um, King. Sorry, they're always going to be injured. So they basically injured themselves out of it anyway. So it's up to the rest of them now. Because um, they were talking actually about Kieran Gibbs maybe being a late contender to go. Uh, because he's going to get a good run in the side now. And Arsenal fans are raving about Gibbs at left-back, because Clichy's out mm. for at least a month. So, But left-back, we have four four left-backs. We have Ashley Young, then we have um, Wayne Bridge. Let's stop you there, though, but Wayne Bridge isn't actually oh, sorry, very good. Ashley Cole. I keep getting them mixed up. Yeah, Wayne Bridge Nuts. actually isn't that good. <laughs> that seems to be the problem. He seems to be at fault for the majority of Man City's goals. They all seem to come from that left side where him, him and Lescott are marching around. Interesting one. Well, I thought he was brilliant at Saints, but that was a long time ago. That was a long time and, ago. And um, then we have Stephen Warnock. Warnock's another player that's up, being so. thrown into the bag. I will never forget Wayne Bridge for his performance in that 3 2 defeat against Croatia. It was the worst left back performance I've ever seen. And I've seen some dodgy left back performances at Palace, but that game against Croatia when we lost 3 2, the end in McLaren's reign, Wayne Bridge was absolutely horrific that night. Really? Yeah. So if Kieran Gibbs would be, like, let's say, fourth on reputation, but it would be brilliant if he gets in there. It'd be good to see a few pretty... Arsenal players in the World Cup squad, in the England squad. Um, on, we're gonna, Theo, we are now going to come, <laughs> before we head on to our European roundup, we're actually going to come across the ponds to where we are. We have some success here in Los Angeles. Our Los Angeles Galaxy and David Beckham are through to the Western Conference Final. Who the heck calls it a Western Conference Final? People oh, back home nice. are thinking, what are they up to over there? Especially after your rant last week. Yeah, they should um, change it. Tomorrow they play the Houston Dynamo. Yeah, they are called the Houston Dynamo. I'm not like taking the piss here. Uh, for a place in the 2009 MLS Cup. Um, um, in Seattle as well. In Seattle. And the Sounders um, lost... The Seattle Sounders, what a stupid name as well. And they lost to Houston Dynamo. Exactly. Um, so that's who Houston have beat to get to Galaxy. Play them. Brian Ching plays for Houston Dynamo. Yep. So watch out for him. And Ricardo Clark, he'll be in the World Cup squad for USA. Are we... Except for that, Adi Akinbae, he's gone to Notts County, so he exactly. won't be there. <laughs> so hopefully the Galaxy can pull it off tomorrow. It'd be good to see them uh, end the year with at least a place in the final. It'd be good for Beckham to get a MLS Cup winner's medal. I'm sure he'll put that alongside his European Champions League medals, his Premier League titles, his mm. Liga titles. I'm sure it'll go along there nicely. They probably don't give out medals. They probably like give, I don't know... Popcorn trophies out to win the MLS Cup. <laughs> Kettle corn. Kettle corn. <laughs> the candy floss. What, what do they call it? They don't call it candy floss. They call the candy it candy floss. No, oh, uh, no. I know. They sell oh, it at all the sports. Oh, it's not candy floss. It's not candy floss, is it? Nightmare. We'll have to God. figure it out next week. Oh, I'm trying to think. Oh, it's, not, it's not candy corn, is it? No. No, that's, that's another. Another name for it. They call it. Sweet. We'll find it out. Anyway. I love it. I love it anyway. Um, but um, it's good. Did, the ball that um, David Beckham played with the outside of his right foot to help set up the penalty, that was good. Outstanding pass. So. He's just capable of brilliance, he's Bex. <laughs> we love He Bex. came out this week, actually, and said that he wants to stay in LA after his career finishes. So I think my prediction of him not coming back has probably gone down the pan this week. Cause he, he wants a contract extension until he's 40. I know, he wants to keep going. He wants to play in 2012, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah. 2004, 2012, maybe he'll, he'll be the o one of the over 20 uh, one year. Uh, Three-year-olds that play for us in the Olympics. Uh -huh. <laughs> Leading the way. Uh, we're going to head now back over to Europe and talk a bit about what's going on in the leagues away from the Premiership. 
La Liga, Barca still unbeaten. They won 4 2 home to Mallorca. And Real Madrid won a pretty imp- in- exciting M- Madrid derby. They beat Atletico 3 2. They were actually 3 0 up, but then Atletico came back pretty strong. In Serie A, AC Milan, the veterans are coming coming strong. They've, now, <laughs> they're uh, they've continued good. their uh, good recent run then. They had a 2 1 win at Lazio, and they're up to third. Huntelaar still can't get in that side, by the way. He's been linked to a Premier League in, yeah. um, Pato's in January. Pato's some good form, and Inzaghi's still you know, walking around with his walking stick. Um, <laughs> offside, probably. Offside. And that's why I don't see him, because he's so slow. It's like, like a little t- t- tortoise. They think he's like an animal. He's it's like Toby Turtle. It's like Toby Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny, this weekend, me and Nick had to do ratings um, for a few players, a lot of players, a lot of kids, and one of the kids was actually called Toby Turtle. We love Toby. We love Toby. Give him a good rating just because yeah. of his name. I found another one as well. Go on. um, Captain Rudolph. That was his name. Rudolph. <laughs> you can start a cartoon about that. Captain Rudolph and Toby Turtle. We should, we should get together. Start a new hit, sort of superhero magazine. Um, so they be- one becomes a turtle, one becomes the captain of the turtle ship. <laughs> we could uh, be captain of all the reindeers, Captain Rudolph. Exactly. Um, that was a great name. In France, Bordeaux are still top. They surprised. Uh, they suffered a two 0 defeat at Lille. But the one game that caught my eye here, Lyon five, Marseille five. Now, Lyon and Marseille are two of the definitely teams at the top of this uh, of the French league most years. We don't seem to have many five five thrillers when the likes of Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United, and Chelsea play. But in France. They just seem to think let's just go out and score as many goals as we can. Now you said you saw some of the goals in this. Yeah, game. I did. I was um, I was like eating my breakfast and I like looked, turned on the TV. It was like Fox Soccer Channel, Fox Fox and Soccer Report, and I was just like watching all these goals. I was waiting for the Celtic goals to come up. It was just all these goals kept banging in. I was like, are they still playing? <laughs> I was like getting hooked Brilliant. to it. I think mean, Toulon scored an own goal to to end the route. Ten but goal thriller. That is great, honestly. Great I have to go back to YouTube and watch it again because um. Being it, being it early in the morning, that yep. I was too busy drinking my cup of tea to watch the goals. Okay. Now in the Bundesliga, Bayer Leverkusen uh, finally have an actual lead that isn't goal difference. Uh, they're top and Bayern Munich are uh, down to eighth and struggling. Um, but now we're going to go on to something a bit more um, more difficult to talk about, I think it's fair to say. Um, Definitely difficult. Over in Germany this week, um, some very sad news I'm sure most of you have heard about. Uh, the German and Hanover goalkeeper Robert Enker decided to take his own life away at the age of 32 on Tuesday. Um, he was suffering from severe depression since his two-year-old daughter uh, died of a rare heart disease in 2006. And it was probably one of the most heartbreaking stories I've come across. Uh, his wife went on live television, I think on Wednesday, yesterday. That's a strong, strong person to do that. She came on and described how Robert's been suffering the last few years and... Our normal player profile, we normally obviously talk about an ex-premiership European uh, player who's played in the premiership in the past, but this week we're going to dedicate it to Robert Enker because I think with the way this has happened this week, it's, I think, rocked, I know German football's in absolute mourning, and I think it's yeah. really hit well, they've the, the majority of the world friendly. of football. Germany cancelled their friend against Chile. And um, they're going to have a minute silence in um, the next um Route of games as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. I think that's in the 20th. I, I, I don't know that they would, but I think it would be very fitting to have one of the Galaxy games tomorrow because it's very sad when you hear stories like this. Um, this has shocked world football, has, but especially uh, Germany. Because Robert Enke was actually due to be the number one goalkeeper for Germany and South Africa in the summer. So I think it's fair to say that our thoughts right now are with uh, all of uh, Robert's family uh, and hopefully he's at peace with himself now. But Nick, we're going to do a little profile on what he had achieved Definitely. before now because I think he deserves the amount of time we're about to give him. So, Nick, what have you learned about Robert and what he achieved in his life? Well, um, Robert was um, born in um, 1977, um, the 24th of August. He was born in a town called Jena in East Germany, short before the divide, <laughs> the yeah. Berlin War. So. And um, Enke played for um, several clubs. Like He obviously, as you said, he played for Hanover 96, where he actually made his debut against that club where he was playing where he was playing in Bundesliga 2 for him his hometown club um, Carl Zeiss Jena and he made um, just three appearances for them because um, he made his professional debut in 1995 he made three appearances um, overtaking their first choice Mario Numa 
who conceded 14 goals in the three matches before that. Then Enka just played, you know, played a couple of games um, in November, but then they restored their first choice keeper and Enka didn't play for the club again. So it was a bit of a troubled start for him, even though he's got his debut in 1995. And he had, after that, um, he got a transfer to Bor- Borussia Mönchengladbach in the summer of 1996. He spent um, two seasons playing for that under-23 side in the lower leagues. And um, he was really gaining reputation and being a, as being a young, talented goalkeeper. Um, his chance came in 1998-1999, so that's a lo- you know, he had a long time waiting at Borussia Mönchengladbach, playing like in, the, in the youth teams and stuff. And his first chance came, and um, he had his first Bundesliga game in August 15th, 1998, in a 3-0 win over Schalke to put them top of the table. Um, but despite um, Enka's best efforts, the club plummeted to the foot of the, te- the league and they, re- they remained from October until their eventual relegation. So they went, um, they went on a long slip. Right, so from August, they were on top of the table. October, they were bottom of the table and then they stayed there and got relegated. Um, so... When he was at Mönchengladbach, his fortunes, like their fortunes, were on the down path of the team. There, them financial difficulties as well, and um, they weren't doing well. And so Enka um, signed for Benfica and went to Portugal. Mm. Um, he went to join um, his countryman Jupp Heynickels, who was um, the manager at the time, and um, he was actually made captain of the team, which was um, which cool. was a fantastic honour. Yeah. So it shows that I mean. Must have been some leader, and he actually ended up playing seventy-seven games for um, Benfica for their time. Um, they changed managers quite a few times, and they were trophyless in that spell. But um, Enko built a massive reputation, and his performances gained um, a long list of admirers, um, including Arsenal and Manchester United were really big on him being um, one of the successors of um, Peter Schmeichel. They really wanted him. And Atletico Madrid were also chasing them. But after um, contract talks um, stalled with Benfica, um, in 2002, um, he ended up moving to Barcelona on a free transfer and signed a three-year deal with them. Um, life at the new Camp, on, new camp for um, Anchor was um, really bad. And um, he later labelled the goalkeeper spot at Barca as the most difficult goalkeeping position in Europe. He ended up making a total of three appearances for Barcelona. And for an unbelievably talented young goalkeeper, someone who's linked with the biggest clubs in Europe, got the transfer to Barcelona. He just couldn't overtake first Roberto Biano, who's the Argentinian keeper, and Rushdu, Rebecca. Because Rushdu. Um, the Turkish goalkeeper. Yeah, the Turkish be. goalkeeper. He actually went to um, Barcelona um, in the last. In, um, in 2004, no, 2003, 2004 season. And um, Enka went the other way and played um, for Fenerbahce and took his place. And um, he, he'd done well at, um, he didn't do that well at um, Fenerbahce either. He just played one game for them. And then the following season, he was, um, yeah, he was... Um, he was actually loaned out to Tenerife, which was good. It's interesting to see that um, in at his career um, for Fenerbahce, which was one game, his own fans pelted him with fire lighters and bottles during the game, blaming him for the bitter defeat, mm. which was a 3-0 defeat to Istanbul. Istanbul, which, um, you know, he immediately quit the club and returned back to Spain after one game, so... Doesn't sound very nice his time. No. Time Fenerbahce, but um, he was a great goalkeeper and um, got back um, got back to a bit of form in his four month spell with Tenerife, and um, he was performing strongly and winning acclaim from his fans and um, from fans of other clubs, and that um, that saw him return back to the Bundesliga where he got a free transfer to Hanover, ninety six, where um, he signed an initial two year deal. They um he kicked he kicked um kicked his career 
you know, he went so great after, like, after that. He really kick-started his career when he went back to Germany. And he was a fantastic success. And he was um, voted the best um, goalkeeper in the league last season. And he has really like got back to um, his great form of um, Hanover 96. Um, he's made 164 appearances for them. Um, he could have moved to bigger clubs, but he's like stayed. He's the captain of the side. He was the best keeper, like I said, in um, 2008-2009 season. And... Um, he actually played um, last weekend in the 2-2 draw at home to yeah. Hamburg. Mm-hmm. And during his time with um, Hanover, he got into the um, yeah he got into the German squad because he wasn't called up for the World Cup in um, 2006, but um, he made his um, first senior debut for Germany in the 1-0 defeat to Denmark in 2000, March 2007. Mm. And... Um, he was an unused sub in the tournament um, in 2008 where Germany finished runners-up. So he must have got a medal. Who would have been their number one that form? Was Lehmann still? Was Karl or Lehmann still playing in 2008? Um, no, Karl wasn't um, playing. Lehmann might Lehmann. Be. It yeah. Lehmann's now retired from the national team. So. Yeah, and now he's retired. Um, you know, Enker was you know, hopefully going to take his spot. So it's a shame and um, it's a, definitely a big shock to... Yep. Yeah, it's definitely a big shock well, to the whole world. And his last appearance for Germany, he, after winning eight caps, and yeah, his final appearance, he kept a clean sheet against Azerbaijan in August 2009. Well, I think it's fair to say that it's obviously a very difficult subject to talk about. We thought we'd obviously speak about his achievements because it's obviously shook a lot of people this news and um, we can only obviously wish his family and friends um, give them our thoughts and, you know, un- over this difficult time and our thoughts are definitely with them, and um, yeah, and we hope that Robert's at peace now because it's been a very difficult week, I'm sure, in Germany for you know players, fans, and everyone involved with football, especially over in that country and across the world, because I think it has shook everyone quite badly. So yeah, we're forward with that peace from Robert. I don't mean it's the right that we give him a round of applause, but I think we definitely are thinking about him, and I'm sure everyone's prayers are with his family right now. So Robert Enker. Um, Rest well, in peace. Yeah, welcome it. into the pond. Because yeah. it's interesting to see that, you know, his um, psychological issues started basically when he moved, um, when he, around the time that he moved to Barcelona. He yeah. probably thought he was on cloud nine. And after that, it just sort of went downhill for him. Yeah. You know, he was a footballer and wanted to play football. Mm, exactly. Um, we're now going to move over to more positive talking points uh, well for me it was my fantasy team this week so. <laughs> ooh fantasy that um, how did you do? how did I do this week? Um, I didn't do very well because um, Drogba didn't score yeah. and um, also you know Fabregas got a couple of points for me which I was very happy about but also um, who else do I have up front? I have I didn't know I don't know I think I put in back Back in Torres, but Torres didn't score either because he didn't play. We all thought so. Torres was going to play. Yeah, so I think I put him back in up front. Benitez decided to not risk him. So I, I didn't win really any points this weekend. So, But I'm still top of the table by yeah. like one or two points. Yeah, I points, think I had a so. better weekend. Andre Ashwin, uh, got he's still my captain and he got me a goal. Although Torres didn't play, but I was pretty happy with the way I was I think doing. I only got like 18 points or something. I had a solid week I'm back up, I had a bit of a drop last week I'm now back up the 4th or 5th so I'm pretty happy <laughs> with that um, I've only got a few minutes left I'm actually not doing a rant this week um, just I haven't got much to rant about and I don't think it's appropriate to me be ranting about stuff in football after what happened with Robert Enker so I'm going to give that a bit of a miss this week because it shows that football's not the uh, all end of the most important thing in the world um, and that went long way to proving that uh, accumulated time uh, so we need your jingle for that <laughs> put a quid on it I like it um, so this weekend we have um, the World Cup playoffs mm. so this is going to be um more interesting weekend unfortunately there's no Premier League but you know there's a couple of friendlies obviously like you said um, England going to Qatar to play Brazil in the money spinner Wales versus Scotland, which I think is quite a cool friendly. Right. Except for that, we have Russia in action against Slovenia, Greece against Ukraine, Republic of Ireland versus France, and Portugal versus Bosnia. Okay, now before we go into the accumulator, 
there seems to be a lot of angles going on about Cristiano Ronaldo's fitness. Uh, I believe he flew to Portugal a few days ago to get assessed. Is there any news on whether he's going to be fit or not? Because there's rumours coming out of Madrid that he may not be fit for another two or three months. Portugal are trying to get him fit. Someone's not telling the truth here. I bet you he's going to play. He probably will. I bet you any money he'll be on that field because Portugal yeah. need a result against Bosnia. And Bosnia, Bosnia are on a bad team. No, Bosnia, Bosnia going forward. Defensively, they're a bit uh, shaky, but going forward, they're very, very good. So I bet Jacko's going to score a goal. Can you imagine if Ronaldo plays and then gets injured and takes him? Oh, it's going to be absolutely. Real Madrid will go off on one. But They'll be demanding compensation for sure. They will be. So, it was funny this weekend. I heard a funny story that. Um, Ever has given up. Patrice Ever has given up Sprite because um, the green reminds him of um, Republic of Ireland. So for the week, he's given up Sprite. Didn't you also read a, uh, um, a report that Patrice Ever plays with? He used to play with a chicken breast down his cleats. Yeah, yeah, yeah because he had an ankle injury. Patrice Ever must be one. Of I'm guessing he's a guy who's a bit superstitious about the world. Yeah, and um, also fun like as we're on the international scene at the moment. Um, I heard a funny story this week that um, Tyrone Mears wants to be considered <laughs> for England. And he's a Burnley defender. And um, with the Opta stacks, stats, um, it shows him that he's the second best right back in the Premiership this season. Which isn't saying much because nobody's in form for like, is it England-wise. He's a good player. Tyrone Mears is not a bad defender. Well, he's not a bad player. I wouldn't say he's a great defender, but he's good going forward. Yeah. He's rapid. Very quick. Definitely quick. But um, so they're saying he, um, so he's saying that he wants to be considered for England. Unfortunately, he's already played for um, Jamaica, but um, they're trying to overturn the rule because um, he's got actually no links to Jamaica. And he just basically said he just told him John Barnes. He's like, yeah, I can play for um, Jamaica when um, he was in charge, <laughs> and then found out that his dad's from Sierra Leone. So I don't know what's happening there. That's but, um, an interesting one. That's if we're calling up like Tyrone Mears. To the England squad, who like I went, can't see went that. To, I, like, I, it probably yeah. won't even happen. He probably won't even get turned turned around. Mm. But I can't believe he played for a country and he's got no links. To if it. we are really that desperate for a right back, Nathaniel Klein at Palace can happily fill that bill because he's going to be one of the best right backs in the Premiership in years to come. Anyway, so, so that's my view. Internationally, um, Dave, you have um, a couple of games to review. Um, we have, you have Russia versus Slovenia. Who do you think is going to be the winner on that one? Russia at home. Yeah, I've got to give. I got. To, is this over just this game, or are we talking about the two legs? Because both legs are this week. Should we go for the two legs? Who is going to win the actual game? Or the do you know what? Actually, yeah, we'll go for who actually goes. I'm going to say Russia two. will go through. Russia will go through because we'll legs. watch both. Yeah, so. I'm going to say Russia. Okay. And what about Greece versus Ukraine? Ooh, um, Greece. Yeah, you want Greece to go through on that one? Two thousand four winners, Greece. Okay, Brazil versus England. Uh, I can't see us being Brazil, especially with the injuries we've got. I've got to go for Brazil. Optimistic. Yeah. As all England fans are. It's a friendly, I don't really care. And Italy versus Holland. That's a friendly as well, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I go for a draw. A draw, okay. And then um, the way it works out, I've got Republic of Ireland versus France, which... Um, Overall, I think that um, I'm going to be very, very optimistic. I'm going to say Ireland. Go for it. Why not? Hopefully they do a job, but it's going to be difficult. And in Portugal versus Bosnia, I'm still going to say Portugal. Mm-hmm. Just because um, I think they've got a lot riding on it and I think they will go through. On the other hand, I think that France have got all the talent in the world, but I think Dominic's an absolute twat yeah we'll say that so, he is a twat sorry yeah. <laughs> so if there's any manager that you know if you wanted to get a manager set that he would be ahead of Dominic yeah he would be ahead of Phil Brown so and then Wales versus Scotland I've got to go for Scotland on this one so it's, seeing as then Wales are going to have a 17 year old centre back so who's that um, I think it's um, who does he play for it's like Ashley Matthews who plays for Cardiff so they just got in their first team interesting and then Spain versus Argentina I'm going to go for Spain for that one so that'll be quite funny it'll be a good game to watch I'm sure. be a really good game yeah see what Maradona comes up with this week um, that's about it although we are going to quickly have a quick talk about the FA Cup 
Oh, we had a few upsets. Love it. Uh, what were the upsets, Nick? Show me a few, and let's laugh at a few. Um, one I particularly a... want to laugh at. <laughs> well, it was the Charlton game, so um, Northwich Victoria. Do you know that was actually over? That was on over here. That game. I can't believe that. Of all the that games they're going to the show, the whole this of America has just seen how circus-like Charlton are. And you know what I loved about that game? Former Palace striker Andy Priest is in charge of Northwich Victoria. Oh. Is it Northwich Victoria? Um, yeah, Northwich Victoria. I like that. I know. Good knowledge. Bye, Charlton. You ain't going to Wembley. <laughs> and um, Staines. Um, they, Ali G. They beat, um, they beat Stevenage, I think it was. But I know it was a 1-0 victory that they they won. So they're through to the next round. They beat out a non-league team. And also Bath beat Grimsby. 2-0 yeah, that's a good win for them so um, a, there was a couple of upsets considering yeah. Bath's a rugby town that's a very good win for Bath so well, I think they're university that's the university side that's yeah. actually taking part yeah well so I remember them playing a few years ago yeah the students win again yes <laughs> up the students love it tax dodgers um, <laughs> we love them we love students uh, one other team I want to mention I know they lost they did lose to Millwall in the end but AFC Wimbledon were I think Maybe drawing or just two one down at Mill, but they lost four ones. So AFC Wimbledon were doing pretty well against a pretty respectable league outfit, and I hate calling Mill respectable, but <laughs> they're not too bad of a team lately. So and um, yeah, I think Jeff Stellan's team Darlington got knocked out. No, Hart, well. he's Hartlepool. Oh, Hartlepool, sorry, yeah, yeah, he got knocked out. He's a Hartlepool fan. Good old Jeff. Anyway, that is about it for the week. We're gonna have a few shout outs for a few listeners. Uh, the first one comes to one of my friends' friends who is listening to the show. She's only just getting into football. We're educating her, apparently. Her name's Kenzie. <laughs> Hi, Kenzie. Uh, and another one, uh, Ender from Virginia, who is one of your friends, Nick. You know yeah. her quite well. And Ender listens hey, a lot. Hey, Ted. <laughs> Ted. Ender listens a lot. And, uh, yeah, so that is about it for the <laughs> week. Uh, anything to add, Nick? Um, this week? Um, except for the sorry loss of Robert Enz, Enz, uh, Enka. Nick. I think that's nothing really to add. Okay. Except for, uh, Watch Tony Hibbert's own goal. Well, we're going to head off. We've got work to do. And I just want to finally say, Guy Sadler, if you listen to this podcast wherever you are in the world in the next few weeks, safe travels. Hopefully you're alive. Hopefully you're alive. And um, say hello to Paolo Wanchop for us in Costa Rica. He's going to Costa Rica. Yeah. Can I see Paolo? Yeah. Okay, guys, we'll see you next week with maybe another person with us. We'll wait and see. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Bye. Bye.